The Musaf service of Yom Kippur has three main components. Of course, it begins with the standard structure of the, of the Amidah, although that particular structure, three blessings in the beginning of every Amidah, are embellished by many, many piyutim on Yom Kippur, even those who over the course of the year don't add poems into the service, and that's virtually every community. But on Yom Kippur, we have very, very expanded piyutim. Most congregations don't say all of them by any stretch of the imagination, but they are included in the service. Some are very powerful. Uh, the Tanah Tokif being one of them. Uh, for the Ashkenazi community is one of the highlights. And they're quite lengthy. And after Kedusha, we are beginning with a standard service of the holidays, these are standard prayers that we recite on every, every holiday. We mention the, the sacrifices of the day. And then the Chazan recites a little poem, Ochilo Rakel. Ochilo Rakel, which we also have on Rosh Hashanah, it has its own particular tune, is a request to pray. On Rosh Hashanah, Ochilo Rakel, as we have discussed in the past, leads into Malchiot and then Zichronot and Shofarot. On Yom Kippur, Ochilo Rakel leads in to what's known as the Avoda. The Avoda is a recitation and in some senses a reenactment of the service of the high priest on Yom Kippur. The service of the high priest on Yom Kippur is the subject of the first seven chapters of Tractate Yoma and most of the tractate deals with the service of the high priest, Seder Avodat Yom Kippurim. It's a complicated service because it includes the regular service of every day. It includes the additional service of the holy days. And then it includes the service of the high priest on Yom Kippur, the particular service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur, which is very different from anything else that we do uh, the rest of the year. But that's a separate topic. I'm not going to get into the Avoda right now, the details of the Avoda. But the Avoda, of course, is prefaced by a lengthy description of creation, of the generations after creation, with a focus on the mistakes that people have made, the errors, and leading up to the service of the high priest on Yom Kippur. The high priest on Yom Kippur, who's going to bring the special offerings of Yom Kippur. He's going to choose the scapegoat and the goat, and the, uh, goat that's brought in the inner, innermost Holy of Holies. He's going to bring the incense into the Holy of Holies. He's going to enter the Holy of Holies. All these special elements of the, sacri- of the, of the day, the service of the day, when he walks in there alone, the poem suggests, He carries upon his shoulders not just the weight of himself, his family, and all of Israel, but in a certain sense, the world. And he enters alone. That's the service, that's the avoda of Yom HaKippur.
What's interesting is that after the avoda is described, and as I mentioned, it's not just a description. It's one of the few times we have in our rites a kind of reenactment. We actually try to reenact that moment. We actually see ourselves in the temple precincts as part of this drama that takes place, the atonement of all of Israel, and the cleansing of the temple itself, which are the two facets of the service of the priest in chapter 16 of the book of Ayikra. And then at the end of that avoda we say, all this happened when we had a temple. But today, because of our sins, we don't have a temple. And in fact, our sins have prolonged the, uh, the lack of a temple. And what can we say before God? Now, in the traditional service, at this point, we have the Slichot service. We have the poems and the recitation several times of the attributes of God's mercy. In many congregations, they don't have that. They're missing that. But they have retained pieces of the Slichot service. They retain, for example, the story of the Ten Martyrs. They retain Shema Koleinu, which is simply the end of the Slichot service, Zechor Rachamecha, etc. So the printers, whereas they cut out the main piece of Slichot, the attributes of God's mercy, but they didn't cut out in the right place, they left in, for whatever reason, the story of the Ten Martyrs, which is really part of Slichot service, and of course Shema Koleinu. What's interesting is the lead-in to the Slichot service some congregations, not too many. They, of course, the classical Eidot Mizrach, Dusei Slichot, the, the uh, German community, the Yekis, they say Slichot, and some individual synagogues say Slichot as well. But what's interesting is that the lead-in to the Slichot service is the reenactment of the temple service and the statement that we have no temple. Interesting because in the Torah, actually, that's exactly what leads in to Hashem, Hashem, Kerachum, Vachan. We remember in the story of the golden calf, uh, Moshe pleads for the, for the people when still on the mountain in the book of Shemot. And God is, we are told, relents of God's earlier thought to destroy the people. Moshe comes down the mountain, we understand the people will not be destroyed. The issue in the story of the golden calf is the nature of the relationship between God and the people. In the 33rd chapter, God says to Moshe, go up into the land that I promised to give to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, beginning of chapter 33, and I will send an angel before you. You go into the land of milk and honey, you'll possess the land, I'll send my angel, but I will not go with you. I can't go with you. Because, lest I destroy you on the way. And when the people heard this news, this bad news, they mourned and did not put on their jewelry. What is the bad news? The bad news is that God will not go with them, i.e., there will not be a Mishkan. When Moshe breaks the tablets, he makes it impossible to build the Mishkan. The tablets are the work of God. The rest of the Mishkan can be built by a person. 
by Bitzalel and his helpers, very talented. They can build virtually anything. They can build every piece of the Mishkan. But the one piece they can't build is the tablets. Tablets are the writing is the writing of God, and the tablets are the tablets of God. So unless God agrees to grant us a second set of tablets, there will be no Mishkan. There will be no Vishachanti Bitocham of God dwelling amongst the people. And when the people hear this, that there won't be a temple, i.e., God's presence will not go with them, the people are mourning. And this begins the process of reconciliation when Moshe plays the primary role of bringing the two sides together, which concludes with Hashem Hashem Kerachum V'chanun, the attributes of God's mercy is the vehicle to allow the people in God to dwell together. And once God reveals to Moshe the attributes of mercy, then Moshe will get a second set of tablets. And then, of course, he can go up to the mountain and he can, uh, he can receive the tablets. God will write on those tablets. He can come back down the mountain and the very next chapter begin the, the building of the Mishkan. So what leads into the Slichot in Musaf, actually, is exactly the statement that we don't have God in our, in our midst, which, of course, in the Chumash, is what it leads in to Hashem Hashem, it's interesting that in the Slichot service, for example, of Ne'ila, and for those that say Slichot in Shacharit and Mincha on Yom Kippur, something else leads into the Slichot service, which of course is Yalev Yavo. Yalev Yavo is the prayer for the holiday, S- special prayer for the holiday, which ends with the words, Ki Melech. Chanun v'rachum ata. It ends with rachum and chanun, which of course are the first two of the Yudgimu Midot. Hashem, Hashem, kel rachum v'chanun. And this leads right into Srichot. For example, in Ne'ila, kemel chanun v'rachum ata, and then we say p'tachlan v'shar b'yedi l'achar, which is the beginning of the Srichot service. The point is that what typically leads into Srichot is the prayer which represents the day. The Srichot on Yom Kippur are not like the Srichot we say prior to Rosh Hashanah. The uh, Sephardic community says it from the beginning of Elul. That's different. Because whatever day we say Srichot, it's a recitation of Srichot, it's a preparation for Yom Kippur. But the day on which we say Srichot is a regular day. That's not true of Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur, the very holiness of the day, the very fabric of the day is bound up with the recitation of Srichot. What kind of day is Yom Kippur? It's a day that we say Srichot, which is why on Konidre Eve, where we don't have a repetition of the Shvona Esrei, Srichot are only recited in the repetition of the Shvona Esrei. But on Yom Kippur night, Konidre night, as we call it, there is no repetition of the Shvona Esrei. So there we, be, we Ashkenazim begin the Srichot service with the little poem, Yahweh Tachrunenu Me'erev, Vyavo Shavotenu Mipoke. Which is essentially Yalav Yavu. So we make up a Yalav Yavu. We create a poetic Yalav Yavu to take us into Yom Kippur. Because the Slichot of Yom Kippur are part of Yom Kippur. One final word about the third piece of the service, Musaf service, the core service. It's Avoda, it's Slichot. And then there's a third piece that comes at the end of Slichot, 
which, which are the confessions, vidui. Vidui is a central feature of the Yom Kippur service because vidui has to do with repentance, has to do with recognition of the mistake, which is the first step towards repentance. And we say typically two kinds of vidui. We have a short vidui, ashamnu, bogadnu, gazalnu, and then there's a long, much longer vidui, which is the alchet. The difference between the two is not simply one is long and one is short. The Ashamnu, Bogadnu, etc. talks in general terms about our dispositions. It describes in general terms uh, a description of collectively perhaps what the, what, the way we've behaved is sinful, treasonous, we've taken things without permission. It's not focus so much on the individual sin. It's more about the person actually, what kind of people we, we've been. The Alchet is much more focused on specifics. So, in terms of ethics actually, there's always this ancient dispute, what should be the focus of ethics? Is the focus of ethics the person, the nature of the person? Thrambam emphasized that, for example. Or is the focus the specific actions. Both, of course, are necessary, which is the main focus. So on Yom Kippur, we have both. We have the general description of the, the qualities of the person, but we also focus on the individual mistakes. It's interesting, and that's the third piece of the Musaf, the Avoda, Srichot, and Vidui. It's interesting that I, I perhaps would have thought that the vidu should come before the srichot. First you say what you did wrong, then you ask for forgiveness. But we'd never do that. We always have the vidu at the end of the srichot. And perhaps the reason for that is the idea of the srichot are to underscore the relationship with God. There's a covenantal relationship. We ask God to restore the relationship. And then, once we speak to God as a covenantal partner, then we begin to enumerate our mistakes. But the way the covenantal partner looks upon our mistakes is not the way that a stranger looks upon our mistakes. So the first step in the service is to come close to God, is to, to rededicate ourselves to God. And only after that are we enumerating both the individual mistakes that we've made, that's the Alchet, and we also have spoken about those things that we've done which collectively have influenced the way we can be looked at much, much more generally. That's the Ashamnu. So that's the highlights and the, I say the focus of the, of the Musaf, Avoda, Srichot, and Vidui.